All right, here we go. Welcome to Breaking the Panel. We talk everything Death Star related. And as Chris is... It's a star... <laughs> it is the fridge of an Imperial Star Destroyer. I saw that in Star Trek one time. I got you. <laughs> I have the rock on the podcasting Charles McFall. Paul Klotz is over there shaking his head at us. Yep, you heard it. That's his head shaking right there. And then Chris... Chris finally got his background to work. Chris Wisdom. What, what, it took what, a while, but... Yeah. So you're, you're doing it. it just for the patrons to see? For everybody. Whoever wants to see it. Whoever wants to see it. If you're not a patron now, you'll be a patron someday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So I did listen to the show last week. I, I was gone, and uh, it was good. Chris, you had some phenomenal ideas on on shows, to you know, what you would do with casting or different shows. I remember Terminator wouldn't let you into the female Expendables. There was one earlier on in the show. I can't remember exactly what it is off the top of my head right now, but even Phil was like, I... I never thought I'd say this, but that's genius, Chris. And then, you oh, know, he immediately Deadpool called thing. out of this week because he couldn't handle that kind of overload yeah. to his brain. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, man, it was good. Uh, Clotch, you did a great job uh, herding these cats and getting it going. Now, I do take slight offense because I was talking to, to Phil on Monday. And last week, you guys had Bill on, right? So it was the four of you, you and Paul and Chris. Well, I guess you and Anyway, screw you guys. Paul, Chris, and <laughs> Phil were on with Bill. And there's a panel coming up at DragonCon about Nintendo that the four of you are going to do. And we're talking, and it came up, I guess, in conversation Monday night. And Phil goes, yeah, man, I'm so excited because, you know, breaking the panel is going to be doing this gaming panel. I went, hold the fuck up, soldier. I don't recall being on that Nintendo panel. And I don't recall seeing the contract where Bill replaced my ass permanently on the show. So pretty, you boys pretty, need to get your shit in line. Much all the important parts of breaking the panel are going to be there, bud. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, don't you have to show up to be part of breaking the panel? I, yeah. I would say cardboard cutout could feasibly permanently replace you on the show. No, to, to be fair, I mean, <laughs> Philip uh, uh, show up tonight. So yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not feeling well. <laughs> you know what? He's gonna be mowing his lawn, and he's gonna be like that motherfucker. <laughs> I mean, if you want, I could try to talk like Bill and, and deepen. No, my I'd rather you didn't ruin the boner. <laughs> <laughs> all right. With all that being said, but it was a good job. I I enjoyed it. It was fun, uh, and definitely look for Thanks, the. Dad. <laughs> the the audiogram that went out this week on facebook.com forward slash breaking the panel where is a fun highlight of uh chris throwing out some ideas and it's on our instagram at gstu media on instagram you can see that there as well uh so hey this is kind of a i mean light as in there's no deep topics there's there's some different news and different things and we make everything work but this caught my eye because it's not just the $1 billion mark. It caught my eye because this is the fourth Disney movie to cross the $1 billion mark this calendar year, 2019. Holy Jesus, Disney. So anytime anybody bitches about why are they making these live-action cartoons, why are they making comic book films, why are they, why are they bothering to get out of bed in the morning instead of killing themselves? Because they make a billion dollars when they put out a film. That's why. 
It doesn't mean they're good. I didn't say that. <laughs> I, I'm answering I mean, the why did they bother? Because they roll big in the oil dough. And big pharma make billions of dollars every year. Doesn't mean they're good. <laughs> right. So you're saying you're not on the the Lion King Xanax like I, I am. I'm, I'm not down with big mouths right now. I, no. <laughs> I honestly like so to the point of what you're saying there. There's a, I always I thread the needle on it because like people love to bitch about Disney and like oh Disney's buying up everything. Disney. That's yeah. like. I, I was critical of these live action remakes. I, but my thing is always, I call it what it is. I saw that as them literally trying to mint money because there's a lot of, there's a lot of people out there who, Oh, I want to see them do the live action version shot for shot of the movie that I already own and have seen a thousand times and grew up on and raised my kids on. I can't wait to set a hundred dollars on fire to bring my you know, myself, my spouse, and my three kids to go see that. By all means, I mean, knock yourself out. Uh, at the same time, it's like <laughs> the reviews said everything. They were like, yeah, Aladdin, yeah, it, it was okay. It didn't really change anything. And about Lion King, they're like, yeah, it was okay. Uh, there's some awkward exchanges, though. And the animals don't look like they have any goddamn emotions because they're animated to look like real animals rather than cartoon characters. <laughs> Yeah, I, that's fine. That, that's if, if that what Jungle Book your, was like too. Knock yourself out. Uh, I also pointed out that it's an extension of the IP. Some people have tried to refute that and say, no, 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 it's not that because of this. It, listen, it's an extension of the IP. It, it keeps whether it's a spiritual extension right. of the intellectual property where it keeps in pe- people's zeitgeist, people's mind. You know, if it implants it in another generation of children so that they carry a love of these. Mm-hmm these stories forward or if it literally gives them a legal bearing to protect it against other people trying those same projects i don't know it doesn't matter it does all of those things yeah to some extent that uh, how many of the same people complain own lion king 3 oh you don't know what lion king 3 is because it went straight right. to dvd because disney is always capitalizing on the ip to keep it fresh in people's brains and to make money well so did lion king 2 i mean exactly. that's the thing but like yeah no i mean at the same time, because Disney is now really good at making money, because let's just yeah. let's be real about this. In the course of less than ten years, Disney acquired Marvel and Star Wars and has picked up Fox now. Any other multimedia company that tried to do that would be bankrupt, right? They they yeah. would they would have shot themselves in the foot. But Disney is not. Because right. they diversified their portfolio as a as a corporate holding, they're all over the place. They're smart. They they put money into projects that generate income, revenue for their company. Uh, because of that, we get stuff like the Last Jedi. Some of us are happy with that. Some of us are not. <laughs> but also because of that, we get stuff like the MCU. And the MCU has had, for the most part other than a few outlier films, an overwhelmingly positive reception by fans of that stuff. These movies have been gangbusters. They've made a ton of money. They have absolutely changed the cultural zeitgeist. I mean, popular culture after the MCU, superheroes are here to stay, man. You know, superheroes are... I would argue that they are a pillar of pop culture now as much as Star Wars is. 
Mm-hmm. For as, and as, as we become old and gray and get cranky about everything that comes out and everything that changes, there, we're going to be that generation when we're seeing like Marvel Phase 9. We're going to be like, oh, this is so stupid. They're just rebooting everything. <laughs> They're subverting all my expectations. Hashtag not my Iron Man. <laughs> all yeah. of that stuff. Yeah. But it's this is going to carry forward. This is gonna, the cultural revolution that Star Wars was for kids who grew up in the 70s and 80s. That that is now comic book characters are the future. Just look, it's not even just TV show, or I'm sorry, it's not even just movies that they're completely crushing with. It's TV shows. Look at all the mm-hmm. most po- talked about shows in the last like year. For the most part, they're all based on comic books. Uh, yeah, it's so, crazy. I will agree with you that superheroes are hot right now, but if um if we can learn the lessons of you westerns are probably the best example right now as far as something that's as culturally relevant today as was in yesterday as far as uh film exposure television exposure hell radio show exposure back in the day i think i i and westerns were were cheap to make these movies are not cheap to make or at least the ones that disney makes there are some that are on on the lower end but they're still not as cheap to make as as a western. I think that I think we're at some point probably all, all twenty years, maybe at most. I think that that's that's the life expectancy you've got right now before it has to before it has to go into a gestation period and everything's going to cool down. Um, I like like I I love everything that you said and I would love to see a Marvel Phase Nine and I would love to see a continuation of of these in perpetuity until we die. But I don't, I don't think it's going to be as big as it is right now. Right now it's hot right now. It's big. I mean, star Wars was star Wars, but there wasn't a huge, uh, not even science fiction, but space opera surge. You star Wars was star Wars, star Wars held star Wars fans. And that was, that was the flavor with star Wars and star Trek, but there wasn't a huge move in television and TV shows to to capitalize on that success and put it in the constant zeitgeist. Those were the two places you went, and that's why you had factions. I would argue that Star Wars had an effect on the zeitgeist that allowed a lot of things that came after it to happen. I, I think it... So a lot of people like to separate Star Wars and Star Trek completely. I don't think it's that simple. I think the success of Star Wars influenced some of the storytelling of the like TNG era of Star Wars or Star Trek forward. Mm-hmm. It did not change the core approach to storytelling in that like they're definitely going for a different slice of sci-fi. Right. But when you see them embrace some of the elements that are very akin to Star Wars, I think that's because they were shown the way. Mm-hmm. You know, because Star yeah. Wars Star Trek is very stuffy, mm-hmm. but every once in a while you let you let these the 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 bridge crew go down to a planet and let loose and it gets fun and it you can totally see the pedigree of the same kind of character interactions that we saw in Star Wars and I'll concede that but you still you're dealing with two properties and when it comes to television you're dealing with one with multiple with multiple yeah, branches well, okay, but, but you're you not with, you're not this you know but you know if yeah, you see the Star Wars like, you've got all the animations that they've done You've got, I mean, you've got multiple iterations under one property that yeah. may not quite rival Marvel directly, but it's, I mean, they got Hannah well, Montana, no, so, I mean, there you go. As, as an empire, Star Wars yeah. does outweigh Marvel, but it's getting increasingly closer. 
Uh, no, but what I'm saying is like, you know, stuff like the Battlestar Galactica reboot of the mid-aughts probably didn't happen without Star Wars. Love it. Yeah, that's fair. Because it's, it's, it's a Star Wars show. Let's be real. Like, other than the whole... Yeah, the no, Cylon, it's a political drama mm-hmm. set in space. It, it, it's Star Wars with a sprinkling yeah. of X-Files. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it... West it, Wing. It's definitely... And, and it also has a little bit of Star Trek in it, too. Um, Firefly, even though it got canceled... I mean, that show is hugely influential on that little portion of sci-fi in that, mm-hmm. and that is a Star Wars show as well. You know what I mean? Like, if you take the X elements out of Star Wars, you see those things. But I don't think we're going to lose the gas here. I think, I think people have accepted the fantasy that is comic books. Like, com- like uh, people like to see stories told in worlds with characters that can do something extraordinary. I would make it akin to Chris, uh, just in that genre, right? So if, if the genre is comic books, not the property, not the it's Marvel, but the genre is heroes slash comic books, I'd make it akin to to um, medical slash public safety dramas. When I was in EMT school in 1996, now that you can go even far back as Hill Street Blues, uh, St. Elsewhere, stuff like that as well. But 96, ER dropped. It, that, it debuted when I was in EMT school because everybody was talking mm-hmm. about it. It ran for years, and Grey's Anatomy is still on that came after that. And you know, now you've got uh, L.A. Fire and all these other ones that are on their j- dramas. I'd say I think I say that Heroes slash Comic Books is a new genre along with dramas and so on and so forth. And and, and I'm not I'm not disputing any of that. Okay. I'm just saying that at at one point on television, the Rifleman. Gunsmoke, yeah, Lawman, yeah. Wagon Train, Have Gun Will Travel, Cheyenne, Sugarfoot, Wild, uh, well, not Wild, Wild West, that was later, shit. Bonanza. All of these shows were on television at the same time, as well as all the, the Westerns that were rolling out in the theaters. Okay. And then that's, so you're talking from the mid to late 50s all the way into your, your early, thir- early 70s, right? So my big answer there, to that, because I do acknowledge, like I agree with you, that the Westerns were were the zeitgeist at one time you know our parents generation grew up on westerns they watch westerns all the time i think what killed the western is that there's only so far you can go with those stories how many different times can you retell the stories of the west i don't know they ask the quentin tarantino <laughs> he's done it a few times huh. i i mean like they there's been some you know interesting takes on it and everything but like i think the reason why the western is dead because it really is like everybody's attempt outside of tarantino in recent years has for the most part fallen flat like you don't hear people gushing about take for example the magnificent seven remake there yeah that didn't that had a star-studded cast that should have been a huge success it should have been it was really well done it was a fun movie it wasn't like i don't think it was a perfect movie it's as good as the original i think I don't know about that. Uh, um, well, for my, yeah, whatever, sure. But, like, uh, the thing is, it's just like, like you said, Chris, it was everywhere and it's been done. What is different in that regard about comic books is you can do, at least, uh, let me let me rephrase this, not comic books, because comic books is so broad. It, comic books can be about anything in life, but I mean superheroes. Mm-hmm. Superheroes, you can still do so much. You can do a sci-fi show like we saw with uh, Tomorrow. Um, Legends, Legends of Tomorrow. Oh, right? yeah, that, yeah. That's that's Doctor Who with with capes and cowls. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it yeah. really is. Uh, you can do something that's like you know, uh, like Gotham. Gotham was a take on like we're going to do a character driven drama that has it's 
you know, adjacent to the stuff that everybody knows. It's got these standout characters, but it's still not Batman. You know, it it, yeah. it was ugh, this close to being Batman, but it wasn't Batman. And even though it got canceled, ultimately, it was around for what, five seasons, six seasons? Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's different strokes to how you can approach it. So I, th- I yeah. think that the the superhero story is going to continue to find new ways to be told. It might have to get kind of kind of wonky. You might have to, you know, do hard sci-fi. Like something I saw somebody pitch was a sword show for Marvel. Like mm. do a sword show at some point. That would be incredible. Yeah. Like if they did it right. Um, and it because it would be X Files. It'd be capes, cowls, and X Files. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I I don't think the gas is going to run out anytime soon. But we oh, also yeah, no. don't necessarily know what the next big cultural wave is like we can't really anticipate it i don't even know like i can't imagine anything on the on the radar that could be it um but then again i'm sure 10 15 20 years ago nobody anticipated what was a joke of the industry which was cape and cowl superhero you know stories to ever have a chance i mean these studios were literally setting money on fire just to hold the rights until it this this time came to pass so i don't know it's 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 complicated it's hard to predict the future but i do think that it will change children of today teenagers of today young people of today superheroes and supervillains are ingrained into who they are i really believe their cultural zeitgeist yeah um what does it say about ryland my youngest son who he's more in love with the joker than batman Oh boy, <laughs> Joker's his favorite. Uh, uh, now he's a sweet kid, but uh, you know, get him checked. Yeah, no, I mean, he like he, isn't Ryland the one that, that hit me with the hammer? You asked for it, dude. <laughs> yeah, you sweet like kid. You want to see this pistol disappear? <laughs> I knew there was yeah. a reason I really liked Ryland. Yeah. Uh, and you haven't back, been back to my house since. So you got the message. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, yeah brown people are not welcome. Oh, oh, over there, Chris. <laughs> Actually, Chris. Sorry, been over there. <laughs> all right. So uh, anyway, listen, listen, listen. For everybody who's like, ah, oh, Aladdin, oh, Lion King, both of those made a billion already, right? And I've heard bad things about Aladdin. I personally don't want to go see it. My wife took the kids. They kind of liked it. And the younger ones yet and really getting ingrained into the original 90s cartoon, they really enjoyed it. The older kids who did get more ingrained into the cartoon like, yeah, it's okay. My wife and I, who, who that's what our Aladdin was, was that cartoon. Um, she didn't like it that much. But for everybody's complaining, of all the movies that Disney has put out this year, Captain Marvel, Avengers Endgame, Aladdin, and Lion King are the ones that have made a billion. Toy Story 4 is right on the edge of a billion. You know who's come out short? Spider-Man Far From Home. And that's on you, people at home. You didn't go see it enough. You can't sit there and complain, oh, Aladdin, oh, Lion King, and not go see Spider-Man. That in Money speaks is all I'm saying. Now, of course, they're going to keep making Spider-Man. Uh, movies. I mean, that thing is is a gangbuster, awesome thing. And of course, when it comes out on on Blu-ray and everything else, it's going to be good gang, gangbusters. But it didn't make a billion, and that's on the people who just didn't go see it. Is all I'm saying. So uh, coming up next, uh, all right, <laughs> rolls right into Spider-Man: Homecoming. <laughs> uh, now here, this one I, I looked at a little bit. It's not the Dungeons and Dragons thing that I did for Chris here. It's a line. Shut up, comicbookmovies.com. God damn it, man. Um, so, Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis, Francis Daly, they are the writing team behind Spider-Man Homecoming uh, and uh, uh, 
I don't know what the vacation thing is, uh, but they are being eyed to direct Dungeons and Dragons, a forthcoming film based on the popular tabletop. However, here's the thing. They're part of a writer's room that is intended to develop a cinematic universe around properties like, Chris, are you ready? Hmm. What's, what's the one thing from your childhood you would love to see a cinematic property on right now? Mask. Mask, indeed, is on their table <laughs> to bring a cinematic universe built around Mask and uh, other properties like Visionaries. And that's like, ah, oh, I want to see what Chris has to say about the people who did Spider-Man Homecoming doing Mask. I, I would be I would be down. Um, I just, uh, as much as I love uh, Boss Logic and a lot of those guys that do the mock-up uh, posters and things, some of the stuff that I've seen for a, for a live action mask, I don't want to have any part of it. <laughs> so bad. I'm sorry. You need to you need to put your '80s glasses on before you come at me with this stuff because it just doesn't it doesn't look good. Uh, now they also they directed uh, Game Night. I don't know if you guys saw that. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was really well done. Uh, it's fun. Uh, but the Dungeons and Dragons movie uh, they've announced a release date in 2021, July of 2021. And they're moving forward. So right now they're just being eyed. They have not been assigned to be or hired to be the directors yet. But rumor has it that Paramount's hoping to land Will Smith, Josh Brolin, Chris Pratt, Vin Diesel, Matthew McConaughey, Jamie Foxx. has a whole lot of names here. Basically, they're going to go, hey, Marvel, you're done with these guys? Okay, we want to put them in Dungeons & Dragons movie. Uh, Jeremy Renner and Johnny Depp as uh, Wait, Mellies. Jamie, Jamie Foxx is going to be in this? That's what their rumor is that they're hoping to land. Didn't he already this. ruin that Robin Hood movie? <laughs> I, no, I'm did he? I haven't seen, I haven't seen it yet. Movie. It looks good. I don't know if he ruined it, but I'm sorry. I don't think, yeah, I don't think he ruined it, but he was a part of the hit. <laughs> okay, well, out of out of all these names, he's probably the. If you had to rank him, oh, I really hope this person's in it. Down to okay, that's cool. He'd be on the okay, that's cool level down to the bottom. I mean, well, he's Chris, you brought up stealth last week, this, so this version of D and D, then yeah, uh, it'll be interesting. Ah. Uh, uh, you know, so, yeah. uh, speaking of D and D, so I finally started watching The Expanse. It's not that I was discounting uh, Paul's many, many praises that he's been singing of it over the years. I just haven't gotten a chance to get to it. I finally got to The Expanse, and as I've, I think I've got, I'm two episodes into season two, and about season eight of episode one, I figured out what I like about The Expanse. Oh, what do you? What is it? It is the single best run D and D campaign I've ever seen <laughs> it's in a sci fi environment. It I is, get that. It is, it is nuts how good this is. Mm-hmm. I get that. Uh, yeah. The irony of you saying that is, uh, we've been recently playing West End Games uh, Star Wars RPG with some friends every uh-huh. once in a while, and I'm playing a uh, a, a rough and tumble type character who's literally named not Amos. <laughs> because <laughs> uh in the west end game star wars rpg from the 80s uh if you stack strength you're essentially invincible uh because like you you roll strength against taking damage so you're mongo. Just, like, oh, God. mongo and, punch uh, horse yeah i mean so yeah like uh yeah i'm not amos but yeah no it's <laughs> absolutely D totally yeah I, I didn't How are you enjoying that. it though? Since we're on the topic, I, I I love this show. It's it's so good. And it, like the first couple episodes, I was so lost. I'm like, what is going on? There's so much intrigue into this, mm-hmm. and yeah. and I want to say probably about season four, I was just 
I was hooked and I just wanted to know what was going on because <clears throat> I was a little leery going coming out of episode two and episode three and I'm like are they gonna fucking lost me because I don't need I don't need 42,000 mysteries of which they're only going to give me half answers on three <laughs> but they haven't they haven't done that to me it's it's been really yeah. good and they, they give you just enough uh, it's just so good they just give you enough of an answer or enough a peek behind certain curtains to just keep draw you into that next episode and the next episode does the same it's, it's oh, I, oh so good I, yeah. I, I see. I didn't even think about Lost. I went to. Uh, I love Battle, the Battlestar Galactica. It's not even a reboot; it's a continuation of the original story. And I loved every bit of it with the mystery and the intrigue and the political games. And by the third episode of The Expanse, and I only finished season one. I need to get to season two and continuation of whatever seasons are out there. Uh, but I did love it. And I went, oh, this is like a better version. And when I say that, don't get mad at me, BSG fans, because I loved it. But whenever you take something and you move it forward, that was, I mean, that was over 10 years ago, Battlestar Galactica came out. You know, so whenever, if they were to do Battlestar Galactica Next Generation or whatever they want to call it now, it'd be slightly better because they've more modern shooting, more modern writing, but same heart, right? And that's what I felt like The Expanse was, that heart and good writing, like, Battlestar glad to have but better graphics because it's 10 to 15 years later you know um and definitely there's a lot of you can feel a lot of the Battlestar Galactica reboot uh um pedigree in in the expanse the way it's done you get a lot of those same vibes you know yeah now Chris if they were to do a true Star Wars TV show I'd want it to be done in this, this vein Battlestar Galactica expanse vein that's what I want, a Star Wars universe with this kind of writing and stuff going on. You know, the, the Rise of the Republic or some some cheesy, I don't know. Until I see The Mandalorian, I'm not going to tell you whether or not I agree Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I almost <laughs> see The Mandalorian. But, <laughs> but The Mandalorian is a Western. See, we went yeah, full so, circle exactly. during so our conversation. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So. Which means Fox will try to cancel it. Cancel it. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> First, Paul, Fox will put it out of order so it makes no sense, and then yeah. they'll cancel it. <laughs> Uh, so, all right. This last one, Indiana Jones 5, is reportedly to start filming in 2020. Now, I bring that up because none of us are like, eh. damn it, you stupid website. <laughs> Every story happens to come from comicbook.com today, but it, mm, hey, their autoplay crap. Anyway. Why, why does mine default to mute and yours doesn't? I don't, I don't know that. because I never unmute them. I pause them as soon as I can. I, mm. Possibly because I have ad blocker on like, well, screw you. If we discover ad blocker, we're going to hit autoplay, bitch. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so Steven Spielberg is, is still helming it, whatever. But um, nothing jumped out at this except there's two things. Okay, there's two things that jumped out. So Dan Fogelman, who created This Is Us, was Chris, didn't you, in that the show that you were gushing about before you went off on your beach vacation? Uh, I don't know if I was or not. I like it. It's a really good show. Yeah, I think you mentioned it once or twice. I, that's <laughs> my brain. Anyway, he's overhauled the entire script of Indiana Jones 5. So that that could be a plus if you like This Is Us. I, I haven't – I don't think I've seen that movie So yet. Indiana Jones that's is going to get killed by a crockpot? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And is that any weirder Wait than flipping around in a refrigerator? Does get killed by a crockpot? <laughs> Because I'm infinitely more intrigued now than I was before. <laughs> um, so here's the thing I brought to the table for you guys to chew up and get some responses on. Harrison Ford, uh, earlier this summer, was doing some interviews, and he said 
in an interview, once he is gone, the character will also disappear. He goes, nobody's going to be Indiana Jones, Ford said, when asked who he'd want to follow him in the part. Don't you get it? I'm Indiana Jones. When I'm gone, he's gone. It's easy. And like, apparently you've not paid attention to how Hollywood works every 10 years, sir. I was going to say, the only thing he is is almost 80 and infinitely replaceable. I, I love yeah. you, but but we don't we don't know the next carpenter, the, the next uh, stage builder that's going to be discovered. Yeah. <laughs> as, as, yeah. I mean... Is is this Harrison Ford on I, Young I, Indiana Jones? I, I don't think so. No. no, no. So, I mean, Harrison, I love you, man, but like you, you okay. dumb. Why like, do you have a VHS <laughs> in cellophane wrap still? Okay, well, <laughs> I was going to say the we're covering, we're bearing the lead on that. Pick this up for a dollar. Okay, well. oh, all right. I, Fair I enough. Thought the funny part was going to be like I got it secondhand from Phil. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he parts with nothing precious. Yeah. Yeah. Cellophane, uh, cellophane bound to another guy that's going to keep it. Cellophane. Now is that one of those where it's actually a DVD with the shirt, T-shirt with it? No, is that actual a, VHS tape? Legit VHS from back in the day. <sighs> That's funny. Sealed in the cellophane, uh, with you know, came with a gift set or whatever. And uh, yeah, no, it's nice. uh, uh, the corner got smashed a little, but yeah, no, it's um, I bought it for a dollar because I was like, you know what, it's a neat little thing. It's a dollar. All right, hey, no, probably I'm with you. I'd have dropped a dollar just to have it on my shelf. Uh, I probably would have. I'd probably bring the Dragon Con have Phil sign it because you know. It'd still be worth nothing, but, you know. Is Phil watching this right now? Is he doing that? <laughs> <laughs> He's not on, but he's watching He's watching us. <laughs> uh, that's possible. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you guys obviously had the same take. I was like, wait a minute. Maybe they're out of Spielberg, I'm sure, owns the rights or has some kind of contract that says you can't do it without Spielberg. And he's tied to Harrison Ford, obviously. And you should be. But he's almost 80. Oh, it looks great for it, honestly. Yeah. But at some point, he will be gone. Do you really think this character is just going to go away forever and ever in perpetuity? I honestly think so. Really? You don't think they'll I ever think, remake Indiana Jones? I think it's possible because are, are the children of today clamoring for Indiana Jones? Is there insane demand for the next Indiana Jones film? That's on us as parents, isn't it? I don't know. Partially, but I mean, well, I, honestly, I think it's on Steven Spielberg because... Yes, yeah goddamn fucking alien crystal skulls like uh i I think if that film had done better the fervor for more indie might have been a little bit more but that's the thing is like it indiana jones is a snapshot in time of filmmaking and storytelling it was wonderful for its era the defining of its era but i don't know that people care i mean we're getting that same kind of experience out of jumanji except jumanji's comedy based it's it's, yeah. it's goofy and slapstick yeah. and funny and it's doing well surprisingly uh but you don't want to do that to indie you know you don't want to ruin indie like that so, so you're saying the rock I, ruined jumanji i mean i would argue the crystal skulls kind of ruined indie the rock ruins nothing except yeah, no, face yeah. if you talk bad about it <laughs> we'll sort you out friend. No, I I think that um, the, the the downtrend we're seeing in indie is is not just not just the Crystal Skulls treatment, but the gap between Last Crusade and Crystal Skulls. You see the generation that was 
that was that really hit on it now we all have a fond love for indie because indie came out when we were younger that's not who it was geared to it was geared to our parents right who who loved serial radio adventure television yeah the same people that flash gordon was geared to those guys are going away and again which and i don't i I don't want to you know go back to our first discussion but stuff like that used to be huge and and now it's finding its downturn. At, at some point, I have no doubt that Indiana Jones will come back. I have no doubt that Flash Gordon will come back. The people that have it come back, the, that generation, they'll have no idea about serialized radio shows. They'll, yeah. they'll, have, they'll just think, oh, man, they're bringing this character back from these, these films in the 1980s that were cool. Yeah. And, and that's, that'll be the, 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 the impetus of that. But in, until, it's, until it's true nostalgia... Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I if they were to make it, I say stop moving it away from World War Two and the Nazis. Put it more back in. We, I mean, I don't know what they're gonna do with five. I really don't know what they're gonna do. But if you were to reboot it, keep it out of there. I love the first Hellboy for many reasons, but one of them was it tackled the supernatural aspect of what Nazi scientists were rumored to have been looking at, and then made a whole huge story out of it. And I know that's based off the comic book. I'm not taking away from Mike Mignola or anything. But that's what – because the last thing they put here, even though you can't – there's zero comments on this whole article. Uh, that's been out for almost a month. Um, but that's like, uh, what are you hoping for the fifth Indiana Jones tackles? My comment, my comment would be an actually good storyline is the first comment <laughs> I'd make. But then the second one was like, bring them back to the supernatural. To me, and maybe I stand alone, but what I loved about those early movies – was the supernatural aspect of it, right? The Ark of the Covenant, something that we knew very little about, just what's little written in the Bible. So you can make a huge story. I see some kind of bad joke come across your face. I'm going to mute you, Chris. I loved, I loved the story in India. And it, so you took, it got away from the Christian belief and went to the, the Indian, the Hindu beliefs. And I thought that was great. He's exploring religion and the supernatural aspects of religion, making them real. And then the Crystal Skull... I still argue was in not in religion, but it still was in that supernatural realm. It just it wasn't good. Don't get me right. It wasn't good, but it stayed there. Still supernatural realm. It was still there. No, I've always argued that you cannot love the X Files and then deny that 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 Crystal Skulls was any less supernatural than uh, than Ark uh, ah, Raiders of the Lost Ark or uh, Temple of Doom. It's just yeah. a different flavor of supernatural. And what I think they it just I think people are just more was more expecting religion versus aliens. I, I don't know. But I always argued if this was generic action man, people would love that film in the same vein. But because you put Indiana Jones in, and they cheaped out, right? They had the same I hate snakes joke. They had the same uh physics bending car chases and I don't know. But we'll see. We'll see. Uh I, I would like it to stay in the – I would love it to dive into some Chinese religion. I would love it to dive into um, any of their other religions that we just don't know much about and dig out their supernatural aspects, make it real, and have them deal with it. That would be fun. It would be fun, I think. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So this last one, I, I was inspired to do a Google search. I got a little salt <laughs> for you guys. I got a little salt. You, you ready, Chris? Yeah. So – Movie Pass is dead, bitches. <laughs> yes. uh, what? Yeah, Movie Pass Demon. I, I welcome you back one last time because unfortunately your your hell is gone. Sorry, man. Uh as of July second, 
Right, Riser leading into Homecoming or Far From Home and July Fourth weekend, which is one of the bigger movie weekends of all summer. Right, Movie Pass did this. I'm going to show you because I downloaded the app just to see if it's still up there. And on the uh, let's see if I can get it to focus in. There it goes. Movie Pass's big changes are coming for the past several months. Movie Pass, and you can see it. That's actually on my app if you look at uh, Patreon. Basically, it shut down its service on the app. It said you can't uh, do movies for July because we've got to change our. As Frey says, we've got to change our app. We just we've had to do so. It's been down for a month. It's still down right now. Here's the kicker: they took July's subscription money from all their members. Of course they did. Of course, and then they took it on July first or second, and then shut down the app. It is still down. I am so happy that they're fucking burning in hell finally. Oh, my God. What? That yesterday there was an article called What is Movie Pass and How Does It Work? I saw that in my searches. And it does not say anything about (laughs) it being down and not working. (laughs) I don't don't know where that stupid article came from. Like, what kind of moron put. Yeah, okay. Uh, I don't know who the street is, but folks, those are not a, they are not no. a credible source for information. <laughs> uh, I'm going to put the link in here uh, because this is from The Motley Fool, which is a very well-known and established financial analyst uh, show. Um, uh, well, that didn't copyright. I'll put it in at, at the break or whatever. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so and that was on July 4th that The Motley Fool wrote about this. It thought how, and of course, it attributes... AMC as being a disruptor to movie pass and Regal Cinemas actually just launched one last week and other people have launched them. Um, so you mean yeah. all those theater chains that resisted movie pass tooth mm-hmm. and nail did exactly what you said they were going to do two years ago. Did, did, did the thing that movie pass did from the onset for just for themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh shit. Which no, I no, am... wait, 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 no, 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 no. They also offer percentage off concessions. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I don't know if they all do it. I, 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 I can't remember if AMC is doing percentage or not. I think Cinemark does like a 10% off concession. Is, like, is, is it like 80% off concessions so that it's only a light fleecing? No, 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 no. It's, I think it's only 10%. Because Regal, uh, Regal's is more restrictive than AMC's, but you get percentage, 10% off concessions. So but it's also $2 cheaper. Yeah, since you can't go see the IMAX 3D with this pass, we'll give you 10% off on concessions. Um, I mean, everybody has their own thing. But Are yeah. you saying they're making a concession? <laughs> <laughs> but I dare say, if we had the interns who gave a damn, which we don't, uh, we could pull the clip from two years ago when we first started talking about this. And I'm pretty sure Paul Klaus went, either MoviePass is going to disrupt it enough and everybody will get behind it, and it's going to be gangbusters in the new form, or these movie theaters are going to start doing it themselves. And you're right, sir. I'm just going to apologize to Phil right now because he's probably the one that said it since Charles thinks it was Paul. No, 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 no. It was Paul all day long. <laughs> Paul, I no, made Phil this. doesn't usually have the insight or wisdom. <laughs> well, no, I was going to say he doesn't usually have the, the business angle. Pers- you know, he's not usually pushing the business angle perspective. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, so, the, okay, let, let's let's cycle back a little bit. So MoviePass charged everybody for July and then shut off their app. And nobody that's all everybody says, right? They're not following through with, with the ramifications or everything. But yeah, uh, yeah, that's well, how it went. So first things first, if you're a MoviePass customer... You're done. 
Yeah. I'm telling you right now, you're done. Uh, go call your credit card and issue a chargeback on that last payment. Yep. Or go as far as you want. I don't know. That's up to you. That That's your moral quandary. Um, but absolutely, if you got no services in July and they charged you for it, do charge back on them. And expect a class action. Yeah, they, I, I see that. But if, they, if, they are, if they've got no money, a class action is not going to – I mean, you'll get a judgment. You just won't get anything. Well, that's the problem, though. It's like I'd say expect a class action and expect yeah. them to go under. They're going to sell out to somebody or something. Well, Helios, Helios and Matheson, which is their parent company, right, bought them back, bailed them out for millions of dollars, is trading as of right now at point zero zero two two cents per share. Ooh. Ooh, it sounds time like a to good buy. opportunity. Yeah, I'm going to buy. <laughs> you know what? I know somebody who's on the Pokemon Go podcast that thinks that now is a great time to buy a year subscription to MoviePass and also to buy some stock. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I'd defend him if he'd actually listen to the show, but he doesn't. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, on that note, we're going to go buy up a whole bunch of stock and own a shitty company. We'll be back after this. Patreon.com slash breaking the panel is where you go to support the show. Now, we know that you all are crazy enough to listen to our little shit show here, but are you crazy enough to support? A lot of you actually are. Um, we've got a couple new patrons over the last couple weeks, and I deeply appreciate it all the way down in my deep, grinchy heart. One of the perks you get with the Patreon is the behind-the-scenes uncut editions of the weekly episode. Um, we record for about 20 to 30 minutes before the show starts. We talk in the mid, mid-show mid break and then the post-show, and a lot of that, you know, just gets cut out because it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit the show. Maybe uh, at that point we talk about things that we're going to drop mid-show. Uh, things get weird. Things get heated sometimes. Uh, the only place to get that is over at patreon.com slash breaking the panel. So support if you can. Any amount is perfect with us. And let's get to the second half of the show. See ya! So we're back! What is thy bidding, my master? <laughs> Isn't he a uh, uh, Grand Tarkin uh, Picard? Is that uh, who he's <laughs> playing tonight oh, now? Please go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he needs some honey buns. He could be Leia for us. That'd be all right, baby. <laughs> Never mind. Do not harass me like that. <laughs> I believe we can. You abandoned us for a year. Would you like a chocolate-covered donut, Charles? <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a pretzel. Pretzel. Yeah. yeah pretzel. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, Paul, you've got a roundtable set up for us. Yeah, I do. So this actually hit uh, Ask Reddit today. Uh, I think it's a cool topic. Uh, what TV show has the best pilot episode? Hmm. So we're going to hit all of us, and uh, we'll, we'll talk as long as, as we've got gas to go. And then I'm going to roll through some of the top most upvoted ones here on this thread. Because okay. uh, cool, there's cool. some interesting takes. Charles, with you, best I'm... pilot for a TV show ever. <sighs> Man, I'm torn between two. We get to do multiple that you're going to go around a couple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. that's fine. All right. Uh, Firefly is the first one that popped in my mind. The second, I saw the train heist, uh, which I believe was the pilot episode. I was sold. I was in. Oh, uh, no, actually, that was the third episode. <laughs> my Fox put it up first. Yeah, I don't know. I, actually, I don't remember which one's the pilot episode, but I know they didn't air it first. 
Um, so I guess in my so then it'd have to be a guess for a true pilot, uh, quantum leap. I sat there. I'd come home from church. Uh, we'd set the VCR to record just in case we missed it. Because me and my dad were both excited. Charles, what's a VCR? <laughs> a video cassette recorder is this thing that always blinked twelve at you because nobody can figure out how to fucking program the time. But uh, yeah, you can record stuff. Uh, yeah, man, that first episode of Quantum Leap, I was in. I was in and watched every minute of every episode all the way through the end. Neat. Chris, how about one from you? I really remember being hooked on my Guyver after that pilot episode. Um, other than that, uh, Criminal Minds was good. Battlestar Galactica, uh, not the original, but the, the sci-fi remake mm-hmm. or continuation was really good. Um, it lost was, was a good pilot. Not the pilot. <sighs> The pilot on Lost wasn't good, but the pilot was. <laughs> <laughs> um, the pilot get eaten, man. No, and speaking of pilot, okay, sorry. I, I don't mean to sidetrack, but I've been meaning to say this for a couple weeks because I saw, I saw Spider-Man after all of you guys did, and my question was answered about what happened to the people that came back from the snap. And they did show up. They showed up where they were when they left. Okay. So now everybody that's on an airplane at the time of the snap is dead. Oh, how could they shut up midair? Yeah, everybody that was on a everybody that was on a carnival cruise at the time of the snap dead. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, can You're we talk about, these about the weirdest dicks? things? Here's the plot hole that nobody caught. Oh my god! <laughs> anyway, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I just off the top of my head, those would be the ones that I, I think I remember the. Well, so the fir- first one for me, mm, a recent one would be Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. The okay. Stranger Things first episode. And, and now, granted, it, to be fair, there might be some distinctions some people would make in what an actual pilot is, because usually a pilot is your you shoot gets one done. and then it gets sold and it gets picked up. Yeah, it up. gets sold. And yeah. we know that that doesn't, it, it's not nearly as common anymore for actual pilots to get shot. But I would say Stranger Things is one of the more recent ones. The first episode had me completely hooked. I loved everything that was on offer. I was like, oh, you're doing D&D, you're doing Goonies, you're doing 80s throwback galore. There's intrigue, there's mystery, there's cool characters, there, there's laughs, and I love it. And I, I mean, I binged it in a day. I distinctly remember that I binged it, went to watch Hateful Eight, which is a uh, I remember this hour we were movie. doing the show then. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Come home and still and still you binge the rest of it. it. So I watched night, eight yeah. hours of television and a three <laughs> and a half hour movie in one day because it, I had to finish it. I couldn't just let it go. Um, so I would say, yeah, Stranger Things is one of the more recent additions uh, to the to the greatest pilots. Charles, you got another one for us? I do. I did look up, Cerny. You're right. There was an actual pilot that Fox didn't like, so the train job was created as a second pilot, is what it's phrased as, and was the first series aired. So that's why my mind goes to that one. But you're technically, it's not the pilot. Uh, the Shield. I was at work on the ambulance, and I had heard that the show was coming on, and flipped over to FX. And saw Vince, uh, uh, I think Mackie, uh, I forget his first name, but Mackie running through the streets chasing this guy. I mean, and watched the whole thing riveted. 
and immediately called my wife and I'm like, okay, we're going to have to watch this together. Uh, <laughs> and spoiler alert from a decade ago, uh, they kill the narc, uh, the, the, uh, the IA cop, in the first episode. And just, oh, set the tone for everything. It's beautiful. So, yeah, the shield was uh-huh. – well, it hooked me, and I was, I was good. Chris, you got another one? Enterprise, maybe? Because I remember, I remember when that came out, I was I wasn't a big Star Trek guy as far as television shows. You know, I'd watched uh, the original ep- the original series and reruns before. Um, never really got into TNG, um, so this was coming out, and I decided to give it a chance. And I, I remember being pretty hooked on that. So. Tell uh, me, what, what was it about Enterprise that really hooked you? Um, I don't know. I think it was just the everything was still roughed out. You know what I mean? There, it wasn't so clean and 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 precise as you're getting in. Here. <laughs> what? What was it? This? No. <laughs> this this no, went gotcha. No, no, no. Sure. It was the same Scott Bakula that got you a few years earlier. To <laughs> <laughs> bring back happy memories for you, Bill, who's trying to usurp my throne. Bill, is this your favorite song, Bill? All right, I'll move on now. Sorry. Bill doesn't listen to this show. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He'll, he'll hear that. We'll hear back from him. I guarantee it. Well, you class, what's another one, man? Uh, Chappelle show. I don't know if I saw the pilot. I saw a bunch of episodes. So, so the pilot gotcha. Well, the Chappelle show. The first episode of the Chappelle show is arguably the best episode of the Chappelle show because it had Clayton Bigsby. The blind, oh, clan member, clan member, yeah. Uh, and that was I mean, where he lost Charles. He was like, No, so Chris. no, <laughs> hashtag not my clan. Oh my god, I mean, <laughs> uh, honestly, like that, that was that set the tone for what, first of all, the tone for what he was going to do in you know the whole run of the show, he's going to push boundaries. He was going to find a extraordinarily funny way to point out, you know, imbalance in the system and how, quite frankly, fuckity the world could be. Uh, it was it still brings tears to my eyes when I watch it. It's one of the funniest things that's ever been done and one of the mo- most outrageous. Like it was just like and for me, the absolute coup de gras on that skit is the follow-up at the end when he's like, so you left your wife. Why? And <laughs> yeah, I'm leaving it. Yeah, there. you go watch you it. it. You know what I'm talking about. But that that was to take like a great bit and just be like, by the way, oh, uh, right in your face. Like, let, oh, yeah. one more time. We're just going to dunk again. Yeah. Um, there were so many great skits on Chappelle's show, but that, that yeah. set the tone. There's other good skits in that first episode. But it, it's it's a killer, it's an absolutely killer pilot. Um, the tick, the Amazon, Amazon tick, tick? yeah, tick, yeah. See, I can't really think of anything. It's rough. This one was a, a rough one to be put on the spot for. Yeah, I, but I mean, recently of... I watched a lot of stuff. But I can't think of anything that gripped me. The first episode was oh, I gotta watch the next one. And the next one, um, I mean, maybe Stranger Things, which you've already named, but. Uh, like I love all the Marvel stuff, except the, the third season. Jessica Jones is just a drudge. But um, I, I was going to watch them regardless. So it wasn't like that. I don't know. 
Yeah. What's what does Reddit say? Where are some of the ones on Reddit? All right. So we're going to run through some of these here. Uh, X Files is the t- most upvoted one right now with almost seven thousand upvotes. Okay. Uh, which is now the thing about the first season of X Files is the quality increases dramatically by the end of the first season. But the pilot was intri- like it was compelling. You know, it sold you on what was going to happen. Uh, you know, you got this straight kind of straight laced skeptic who's going to keep the the dreamer in check. And, you know, the amazing thing about that show is by the end of the show, they kind of switch roles. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it was excellent. Um, Fargo was pointed out. Now, I've not watched the I show. Watched it. Yeah. So uh, the night of I don't know what the night of is. That's a new one, I think. Uh-huh. No, I'm thinking of the week of. I'm sorry. I'm thinking the week of is, is a new Adam, Adam Sandler uh, film. No. Pushing Daisies. Yeah, which I, is, I uh, watched some of that. Yeah. Uh, show from a while back. Archer. You could see that. Okay. Uh, Battlestar Galactica is pointed out. I yeah. was going to corroborate on that. Uh, Battlestar Galactica, in, in that pilot episode, immediately blew the lid off of yeah. serial sci-fi. It was like, no, we're doing this. We're doing this and we're doing it hard. We've got the the intrigue and the excitement of something like uh what is it? Um Babylon five okay. and Star Trek. But we've got the you know, we've got literally dogfighters, you know, we've got space pilots dogfighting against an unstoppable robot threat. Uh so we you know, if you're into the top gun or anything like that, you you know, the the X Wing yeah aspect of the star wars universe like we've got you you know we've got you covered and it was gritty and real and believable and immediately emotionally impactful from the very Mm -hmm. beginning uh so i do think that was one of the greatest and before you move on go ahead chris i I want to say something go ahead chris you know i was gonna say so you know i said i said bsg but it was hard because that that pilot episode is four hours. Yeah, that's yeah. Of four, it's, a, it's yeah. a movie. It's a movie it's a, plus. Yeah. I so so like if the first act isn't good, that's all right. We got three more to yeah. <laughs> to, to, to make up to make up for it. So it's, it's it's rough. It's like you said. I mean, you know, Stranger Things, any of the streaming service stuff. We don't really get we get to see the first episode, but we don't right. necessarily know. It's it's hard when you're not dealing with network television to know what a true yeah. pilot is anymore. Yeah. But sorry. That was, that was all I was going to say. Oh, yeah, that was, yeah. One of the things that gripped me about Battlestar was of course they blew up the planet first. Thing, well, the city first thing. I mean, but then I, this is pre, I mean, internet was around, but this is not what we live in today. We didn't know for three years in advance, every casting, every person, everything. So it was a shock to me. And I think most of the people at the time who watched it, that they got Adama to come back. Uh, um, I'm losing his actual actor name, but the character Adama was there, and they were they were Edward actually James almost, almost. Thank you. Of course, you know what your uncle's name is. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yes, uh, yes, but I would. They were actually in the in the show. They're decommissioning the ship, and they have him as like I grew up watching Battlestar Galactic as a kid and had some vague memories of it. He was a big part of that. As soon as he came on on screen, I squeed like a little girl, and I was I'm with you, Glotz. That was good. What else they got? Uh, let's see. We got a couple of other interesting ones here. Dead Like Me. Yes, uh, that was a great one. Fringe. Oh, here's a great yeah, one. Yeah. Twin Peaks. Yeah. Never saw it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, to to circle back to Fringe. Fringe was a show that the pilot grabbed me. The show did not hold up for me. 
Yeah, it lost it me after a couple episodes. I just did, yeah. I, did, I, I didn't I wasn't picking up what they were. You, you know, hated the ending, dude. You would hate the ending. Oh well, I heard that it got ran into the ground essentially. Yeah. Um, you had to be a fan of Twin Peaks to hang on through the, the entire run of that. So yeah. I mean, I, I liked Twin Peaks, and I was happy with the the update on Showtime, the continuation. But you got to be a Twin Peaks fan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, justified. So uh, here's a good one. Pilot. Yeah, fire in the hole, man. That was a hell of a good episode. So Charlie good. has cancer for It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> but they regrouped and shot The Gang Gets Racist as the official pilot, which was also excellent. Uh, what's interesting about Charlie has cancer is Caitlin Olsen was not in that episode because she had not been cast yet. That's the waitress, right? No, that's the sister. Here. Oh, okay. Uh, Sorry. Gotcha. Sweet D. Uh, also, um, it was pre being set in Philadelphia apparently as well. So yeah, that, that was, it was a really early rough, uh, version. God, I just, that made me think too. the league, the league when they're at the, the birthday, league. when they're at the birthday party betting on the kids. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Mm. So th- to talk about the league, the funny, and I, this is how I always describe the league to people. I'm like, do you like banter? Like, do you like comedic banter? I don't care about fantasy football. Yeah. The league got no, me to yeah. play a season of fantasy football. Yeah. You, know, I, you know who I was? Taco. Taco. <laughs> I, I paid attention for the first week, and then I just stopped caring. Um, I My team was also named Three Penis Wines, so you know, I kind of set myself up for that. But, like, yeah, no, absolutely. Like, that show is an insane comedy about banter and just like watching you know this cast just go nuts my understanding is the way they shot it like they wrote a lot of the stuff on the fly too they did a lot of improv improv they had a they had basic outlines of a lot of episodes and they just went wild and there's some insane stuff that came out of that show uh but the first episode grabs you right away if you're into that kind of stuff it'll it'll catch you see i was the flip side the office people talked me into doing fantasy football which i did not care about so i played Moneyball. basically i just did it by the numbers and and came in second every time they made me play it but i heard about the league because of that and started watching and loved the league i think it's phenomenal it's great it's kind of why i, I why i listen to botch i don't give two shits about D, but their banter and humor is awesome I thought you were going to say you didn't give two shits about those guys, but you like D&D. <laughs> uh, the West Wing? Never saw it. Oh, Ooh, such a good show. But that that uh, uh, newsroom, that pilot. Newsroom. Oh, my God, yeah. that speech to open up the newsroom. I was like, I'm, I'm there. Yeah. You slayed me yep. with that speech, man. One of the best speeches uh, in television history. Yeah. I mean, and you know, they're both Sorkin, right? They're both yes. Sorkin. So, yes. uh, but you know, that's another thing. The newsroom, the first season of the newsroom was so crisp, so tight. Uh, the second season kind of lost it, and it's unfortunate because that show had so much potential. Uh, but that first episode, like, absolutely, yeah, nailed it, nailed it. Uh, Scrubs is another point out here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I remember watching all of Scrubs, but I don't remember the pilot. Castle is another one. Kind yeah, strong, solid. I was a Philian fan, so I watched that anyway. But that's where yeah. he comes up with the the his own vest. It says uh, writer on it, and instantly my wife wanted to get me a bulletproof vest that said podcaster on it. Yeah, <laughs> she never did, but uh, she wanted to. Was it 
was it a penny? Was it a penny or a paperclip? Sorry, in, in the Scrubs pilot, that's that's when JD gets on the janitor's bad side because he's trying to fix the door and he's like, maybe somebody stick a pe- stuck a penny in it. And he was like, a penny? Who would stick a penny in this? Why would you say a penny? Did you put a penny in here? And then later, <laughs> he's got the penny in his finger. That's what was messing with the door. And from then on, the janitor hates JD. Uh, yeah. uh, Westworld? Yeah. I, you know, I don't know that the pilot grabbed me, but it was enough for me to watch the second. But I... I yeah. Unless you describe a scene, I don't. It doesn't stand out any more than the other episodes. Which the other episodes are great. Which, by the way, Westworld season three with uh, Jesse Pinkman in it. Oh, looks so good. Arrested Development. Yeah. Oh, see, that just might not be your cup of tea. It, no, yeah, yeah. I just what I watched. I've often I watched episodes. It just wasn't my type uh, of humor. Mad Men. I could see that. Yeah. This is kind of a list of a lot of the best shows that have ever been done. Yeah, but. <laughs> yeah more or less. Not necessarily the best pilots, but yeah. Um, Letter Kenny, more recent edition. Okay. Somebody put it. The the cold open is it, literally this is the quote. The cold open is so fucking fire, and the show only gets better from there. Yeah, the yeah. Uh, the cold open of Letter Kenny. It's again quipping. You know, like the whole the the banter. Hmm. Um, as they call it on the show, colloquially chirping, chirping, you know, it's, uh, it catches you right away. You're like, Holy, like that, that opening cold open is just like, that was the funniest two minutes of TV I've seen in years. And I want to see more. I want to see more of that. So, uh, we could go on and on and on, but yeah, this is kind of a cool topic. Uh, now I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball. We're going to only do this one for each of us, but can you think of the worst pilots you guys have seen? The, f- the first episode of something that you were just like, this is hot shit. I'm out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Breaking the panel. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. You know, it's uh. ironic that you say that because I kind of feel that way about Botch fucking up. So did they. It took three times. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, the, the retro show kind of sucked when it piloted. Uh, <laughs> the one that you had, Chris, is sad because nobody knows the reference, but does internally. Uh, uh, there's one. Uh, Twin Peaks pops into my mind because I just could not get through it. Uh, the first episode? Yeah, the first episode. Okay. But there's something recently that is still uh, – and the ads make it look so good. I can't grab it in the back of my mind because basically – I'm the guy who likes just about everything. I can admit it's trash, whatever, but it entertains me, this or that, the other. But there was something that looked so good. I tried to pilot, and I got 20 minutes in, and was like, I just can't do this. I can't for the life of me think it. It's still on TV right now. I can't think of it, but it, it, was, it was hot dumpster garbage. But I'll stick with Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks is not garbage. I just couldn't do it. I got... 30, 40 minutes in, I was like, I, I don't get why Chris loves this. I'm trying, but I, I don't get it. Sorry, Chris. It took you that long stuff. to watch it? But you didn't watch it until I said to watch it? Yeah. Yeah, no. I, wow. I, I, I grew up during the era, but it was yeah. late night TV, quotey fingers, and I wasn't yeah. allowed to watch that stuff. And So, yeah. I got X-Files later, which, you know, Fox makes an appearance, I think, and which is one of mm-hmm. the reasons I want But, yeah, no, well, I didn't watch it until you Fox, said something. But, yeah. David Duchovny. Yeah. 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 Um, so, and, and yeah, I wanted, you raved about it. So I like, I will try it. I just, I realized it wasn't my cup of tea is all, I guess. What's yours, Chris? I, 
I couldn't tell you because if I if you walk away, you kind of forget yeah, it, right? I, yeah, yeah. I just. What about you, Klotz? Inhumans. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I actually watched yeah, every episode they aired, but it was a force of will to do that. I hated every second of it. I mean that that show was just a goddamn shit show. Yeah. From top to bottom, there there was really no way around it. Like it. It was immediately clear that they were ill-prepared to tell anything meaningful as a story there. Yeah. Well, you know, it hasn't come out yet, so if you're asking him (laughs) how he would change it, he doesn't know what what the hell you're talking about. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. Uh, You know, that fuck Jeff Loeb. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a while. Um, Yeah, no, F that guy. Uh, uh, we we kind of called it at the time that he was just being openly deceitful. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah here, here we are. Is he still working with Marvel? Mm-hmm. <sighs> to my knowledge, man, he should have been the scapegoat for that hot piece of shit. Uh, and just can't. Should have been something. Yeah, uh, Dude, that's the thing. These guys never give up. No. Uh, uh, and we want to know from you, the audience, what your favorite pilot and what your shit show pilot was. Uh, that is BTP at GiantSizeTeamUp.com is the email. You can email us there. And we, I believe we have a speak pipe on our site. So if you go to GiantSizeTeamUp.com. I bought a new URL, but it's not been redirected yet. Uh, but GiantSizeTeamUp.com forward slash breaking the panel. You can leave a voicemail. We'll play it on the show. We'd love to hear what you've got to say. Uh, but then there's this one last scandal. Not really a scandal, but... Doesn't it seem like Seinfeld pilot wasn't great? I remember Kramer had a different name. See, again, I mean, I watched all of Seinfeld, except for the 100th episode review, which was hot shit. But uh, I don't remember the pilot. Yeah, I can't. I, for some reason, I'm, th- I'm thinking the pilot wasn't very good, but but Golden again, Girls. Again, not very good. You know, it started and ended in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but Golden Girls, man. My wife and I, uh, within the last year, got back into that on Hulu, and we watched the pilot. It was solid, and they they drastically changed a certain aspect of it uh, because I guess the people at the time weren't ready. They had a very openly gay living house guy that took care of their breakfast and stuff. And it was phenomenal. And then the next episode, he's gone with no comment. So we figured they just, TV wasn't ready for that yet. But it was it was the humor didn't change. the The biting comedy that they're known for was in the pilot. It was great. You know, a little Golden Girls factoid: the thing that absolutely kills me about that show. There you go. Sophia being the oldest. Yep. Mm-hmm. Actually, the youngest of the yes. four yes. lead actresses. Yes, I called just, some people liars on that and had to look it up. Yeah, yep. it, it blows my mind. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, yeah, moving on. I I brought this other topic too. Uh, so this one, there's not much to say about this, but it's kind of something that's going on at the moment. Uh, Bruce Lee's daughter has some not-so-nice things to say about Quentin Tarantino's latest film and how uh, he chose to portray her father. In, in said film. 
Uh, this is coming from the MarySue.com, which is not a site I normally grab stuff from, but uh, I never heard of it until Tony P. Henderson. Uh, they give that a little link. bit of a rundown of what's going on. Essentially, Brad Pitt's character plays a stuntman in 1960s Hollywood, and uh, you know, a guy that used to be on. Uh, it, it's it's a historical figure too, I believe. I believe it's it's technically meant to be a historical drama. But I think it's. I mean, it if probably... it's Tarantino, there's going to be a lot of liberties taken with it, right? Well, because it, it it touches on like Sharon Tate and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, uh, he's a stunt guy, but he's part of that old guard of stunt guys, you know, that did all the westerns and all that kind of stuff. And you know, Bruce Lee's the new hotness. It's you know set around the time that he was on Green Hornet, and they end up having a fight, and Bruce, you know, Bruce Lee has some like kind of low brow, like low. Not comments. His lines don't represent supposedly the attitudes in the the way that the real Bruce carried himself. Uh, so she's kind of speaking out against it, and she's been kind of instrumental in controlling how people perceive her father's legacy. You know, she's been very careful to you know to to make sure that things are at least in her perspective accurate. You know what I mean? Because uh, he is kind of essentially a mythical figure at this point for a lot of people. Like you hear a lot of yeah. bullshit stories and and whatnot. Um, but yeah, no. It, so this kind of the thing about this is it brings me around to bringing up Quentin Tarantino. Okay. Well, do you want to describe how he's portrayed real quick? And then... I did. I I already did. I said that the he buffoon. said some things that she says he would never say. What? Well, and... well, the buffoonery. They they made him look dumb. Right. Well, yeah, they, yeah, basically, yeah, they, yeah. they, they mischaracterized. I, to me, they, that was the bigger part that came out of this, not so much right. the direct lines, but that they they threw him away. And, and they also was, had him fight Brad Pitt's character, and and she said he would never do something like that. He would never get into a fist fight with somebody outside of actually, do, you know, being right. in the film. The other thing was the fist fight. Uh, he goes to he throws a flying kick. And he goes to throw another flying kit, and then Brad Pitt's character grabs him and throws him on a car. And, you know, uh, the article cites somebody who wrote the autobiography, or not autobiography, but the biography (laughs) of Bruce Lee, saying, you know, at the time that Bruce was in Hollywood, there was not a stunt guy in Hollywood that was fast enough to catch Bruce Lee kicking and throw him anywhere. Yeah, so, she says first. I think first of all, he wouldn't lead with a flying a, yeah. a kick like a jump kick like that. And even if he did, there's nobody that's going to take the kick. And our, <laughs> our yeah. live-in modern-day actual real-life superhero Chuck Norris got his ass kicked by Bruce Lee. I'm just saying. So well, you know, because uh, he was essentially a nobody when he did that. Film. That's true. He was a stunt guy. He was Brad yeah. Pitt. He was a stunt guy in the industry. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, so basically, just mischaracterizes Bruce, and um, you know she's not happy about it, and understandably, uh, it also is kind of. So, well, what I was going to circle to is, so this kind of brings us to the fact that Tarantino is often under fire for how he approaches, let's be honest, race in his films. He's a, a very complicated dude in that aspect. Uh, you know, a lot of people like to point to the Pulp Fiction scene, you know, when they're getting the, clean, the car cleaned at his yeah. apartment, and he's just dropping n bombs left and right. And he, I mean, he wrote the film and directed the film and put himself in the film and dropped n bombs. And yeah, it was the early to mid '90s, but it's it's not his business. 
Paul. Yeah. That's why you don't see a big sign outside his house that says that. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and that's that's the you know, and, and perhaps he chose it as an artistic choice at the time, in a time when you could get away with doing that. Um, but I, I mean, so I guess what I'm trying to bring up is like, I've always liked Tarantino's films. I've always found him in particular to be kind of perplexing and awkward. I'm kind of coming around to the point that maybe it's time to cancel him. Maybe it's like time. You to want stop. to kill Tarantino, like cancel his life? Is that what no, you're saying? No, I just mean like oh, maybe yeah. it's. This is his ninth film. He's he's talked many times about his his like plan for his career is to do ten good films. If he goes out with a tenth good film, he said he'll be good with kind of like retiring from making films. Uh, I'm almost thinking I'm probably not going to go see this in the theater now. And I'm probably not going to see the next one, depending. Uh, he has just done a lot of problematic stuff in recent years. And uh, recently, a clip of him being on Howard Stern from back in 2003 was dug up where he, you know, he was asked about the Roman Polanski thing, you know, the pedophilia. And he backed Polanski and said that the, the victim was, you know, a party girl and she wanted it. Now, granted, that's a really old clip. That's from 2003, but that's still, like, it's not that old, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so this, I guess this kind of highlights that uh, I wanted to bring it up because Tarantino's become a complicated figure for me. And yeah. I don't, we've talked in the past about separating the art from the artist. And, you know, you look at somebody like Kevin Spacey, for example, and it's like we talk about his past work and it's like, yeah, he has some incredible performances. It's awkward to watch some of them because it feels a little too real now, because he often plays some very dark characters that kind of have a predatory aspect to them. And yeah, it doesn't feel super comfortable anymore. I'm having a similar vibe about Tarantino here, man. Like, he gets into some dark territory. We know that he is writing these films himself. Yeah, He's directing them himself. He has incredible creative control over them. They're essentially his baby from beginning to end. So when some nasty stuff is coming out in them, and, yeah. and also, of course, uh, we talked about it in the past, but the whole Uma Thurman thing where he nearly killed her just to get a shot, you know, uh, it just it seems I don't know. What do you guys think? What do you guys take on this whole situation with with Quint? Yeah, it's, it's 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 yeah, I mean, you're right. It's just a difficult topic. I feel like every time I bring this up with anybody, we arrive at the fact that like people, people are where I'm at, where I liked his past films, but he's pretty indefensible at this point. Uh, I mean, I love the hateful eight. I thought it was so mm -hmm. his art, what he's, he's so good at is weaving so many multiple stories that are riveting. Each story he weaves in is riveting. Yeah. But, but that ugliness kind of is that sheen over the whole thing, isn't it? You know, because yep. pe people point to Hateful Eight as being incredibly misogynistic because, yeah, uh, Jennifer Jason Leigh's character is strapped to a, yeah, a post the entire film and beat up, and like like brutally beaten. Yeah, you know, it, it's uh, some people don't see uh, Kill Bill one and two as you know like this glorified revenge story. They see it as you know, thinly veiled misogyny because the female characters get the ever living Christ beat out of them. 
over yeah. and over again, and they get abused and, and victimized. And, and the female fight scenes, female and female fight scenes, were much more highlighted and longer shot than in with Thorman fighting the guys. Yeah, you know, I mean, there there's some validity to those arguments. Uh, I don't typically go see his movies in theater. Uh, yeah, just as I'm worried about. I need to process. It's one of those things like I need to process. So I'm watching the privacy of my own home so I can just process what he's saying and decide what I like and don't like about it. I mean, Reservoir, Do- Reservoir Dogs, phenomenal. But if I watch it today, I might be go. I might go, holy shit, that's racist and that's misogynist and that's hor- uh, um, Brown. Um, Jackie, Jackie Brown. Brown. Jackie Brown. Loved it. Yeah, I, I racist, misogynist. I don't know, man. Uh, watching his interviews where he spits on people and the shit he there's an article I skipped tonight. Look at that story. He's like, oh, the definitive Marvel list as told by Quentin Tarantino. I went pass. I don't give two shits what he thinks about Marvel. Yeah, I don't care what he thinks about Marvel. You know, because he's a nasty man in real yeah. life. It seems like uh, Chris. I mean, I don't know, man. I abstain. Courteously of, <laughs> courteously of course. Okay. I mean, do you have a counterpoint? Do you feel the opposite? I don't necessarily feel the opposite, but I don't... I. It's not... I don't feel strongly enough either way for it to, to detract or... Sure. To, to detract from my enjoyment of his movies. Like, there's, there's enough problems within, like, these, these more recent films... That, that I think there's more objectively bad movie making issues or questionable movie making issues that yeah. I have with the movies than than his earlier works, and maybe that's because they're they're more forgivable because they're earlier works. But I don't yeah, the, know. I, just... I, I really feel like I watch I rewatch Reservoir Dogs at one point in the last few years, and I was like, damn, this is this is really rough. But I, then I'm like, I point to the era and everything, and I'm like, this was revolutionary for the time and everything. I I always point to Inglorious Bastards as one of the honestly one of the greatest alternative ah, history films yeah. ever done. Mm. Yeah, but it's it is it is a juvenile hero fantasy, right? Like I'll yeah. admit that. Yeah, and it's it speaks to a juvenile part of me. It, it but there at the same time, the opening scene with Hans Landa is insane. <sighs> yeah, it, you know the scene in the bar. In the middle of the film is insane. There's so many incredible scenes <laughs> in Inglorious Bastards, and similarly with Django. You know, yeah, Django is full. Uh, like, if he's okay, if, if Quentin Tarantino's a racist, Django Unchained was the the greatest dog whistle hidden as a you we're doing a yeah. revenge film for you know people of color project that's ever yeah. been done. Because it, it seems like it's glorifying, you know, the revenge story of Django. But if he is a racist, then he literally just used that as an excuse to have characters like uh, DiCaprio's character just yeah. go on and on about phrenology and stuff like that. You know, like mm-hmm. yeah. absolutely nonsense, racist yeah. bullshit. Um, but that being said, that whole sequence in the in the plantation house there was absolutely fucking insane. Yeah. We're, one of the best scenes ever done in anything. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't offer a win an Oscar or something for that. 
not D'Onofrio. It's not uh, D'Onofrio. I said the wrong thing. Sorry, DiCaprio, but yeah. Different guy. Yeah. No, totally, <laughs> totally different guy. No, he did not win an Oscar for that because he didn't win a goddamn Oscar until very recently. Okay. Well, he should have. Uh, he's, I loved, uh, DiCaprio is, uh, anyway. Uh, so I, I'm going to pose a point, and then I got the question to throw back at you about this. Uh, the sure. point is, I believe history will look back and just consider it as art. Uh, his filmmaking is art. It's it's a story told. It's uh, uh, because art is in the eyes of the holder, right? It's it's something that two different people can get two different experiences out of. Whereas a lot of movies, especially nowadays, are not that. It's here's the story. Here's what we want you to think. Did you enjoy it or not? Um, I, I think that I think that Tarantino is a tortured artist. That he is speaking racism and he is speaking misogynism. And misogyny, whatever. Uh, it, it, some of this nastiness is, is in there, but there's also beauty in his work. I mean, like you said, Django is that perfect example of, man, there's so much racism and misogyny, but yet there's this this rising up in strength. I mean, it's even with the weaker characters, right? Uh, anyway, I think, it, I think it'll be considered art as mm. film in the future. But the question I want to throw back at you, are we, and I mean our generation, those who grew up cutting our teeth on Tarantino, are we the abused spouses who make apologies for our abuser? Because, you know, when he when he splashed in, I don't remember if it was Reservoir Dogs was first or if there's one before that. Reservoir Dogs, Reservoir Dogs was first. And nobody was doing anything like that. No storytelling like that. No mixing up. No, no. I mean, it was like, it blew our minds, right? Yeah. And, and we kind of glossed, glossed over the ugliness in it. And the next one I personally remember was uh, Pulp Fiction. There may have been yep. something in between, but that's – and again, oh, my God, blew our minds. And now we're like, but no, he's just this misunderstood. I mean, we're not really doing that, but to a point we are, right? Are we the – because we grew I'll, up with it, are we I'll the I'll really admit that my first impulse is to do that, is to protect him as an artist, as a, like an auteur. Sure. Um, but is that, but like, a, is time, that like a protecting your abuser, making apologies for them? Well, yeah, it's do, and you're right. I do think, well, so, and this kind of touches back to what I was talking about earlier with Polanski. A lot of, so a lot of people who feel very strongly about the pedophile in Hollywood issue point to the fact that a lot of high profile people will get up and talk very positively about Roman Polanski and because he was an incredible filmmaker. But then what they say is you glorify this man who is a monster. You glorify a predator, a, pe a pedophile like this. He was convicted of this. He, he doesn't he can't come back to the country because of this. You know right. what I mean? So this isn't even just a rumor. This isn't any of that. stuff. This is right, legitimate. Just, yeah. He was convicted for this. And as recently as within the like last 10, 15 years, he was given I believe he was given a lifetime achievement from the Oscars, wasn't he? something right. like that yeah and, and you had people like meryl streep tripping over themselves to get in line to sing his praises and it's like but he this guy is a monster you know what i mean so it's like one of those things where like if tarantino is as as you said earlier as nasty of a man as he seems to be sometimes i it, it gets really hard to to hold the art up you know what i mean like it's Hitler was an artist, man. Like yeah. I, 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 I hate to. Yeah, no, I got gotcha. you. Godwin's law here, but 
he was legitimately an artist before he became a extremely powerful politician and then the world's most most notorious leader of all time and you know the the person who's responsible for changing the world as far as hatred goes you know yeah uh so yeah it's it's tough it's tough to look back on this and be like so is all of this problematic stuff in his film history just him working out demons or is he just an asshole and he he hit it in amazing style yeah i I don't know that there's not room for both of those positions though and and again like I, i mean you know and again like he didn't he's if he if he wasn't vociferous enough with an opinion against roman polanski then more than half of hollywood at the time should should be on that same list that you guys are you know well no that's what i'm saying though is like yeah, that's that is what, what he's saying out, is there are a lot of people who just pra- him, yeah. praise the legend of filmmaking it, yeah I, but i think the culture is changing and and, what, and i don't you're right um do we have what are our opinions of john landis good who good john landis no i mean what did he do i don't i don't recognize the name uh direct yeah what yep. in in the 80s uh let me get his uh was it animal house did he do animal house uh yes animal house blues brothers trading place okay all America. right yes i know those movies yes. yes so as a filmmaker we have a, a good opinion of John Landis. Raunchy comedy, basically. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, him filming his portion of the Twilight Zone movie got an actor and two children killed, and he, vi- he by violating California child labor laws. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. That uh, Uma Thurman's still alive, but yeah. so again, like it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive, but people make mistakes, and I. Unless Quentin is the one engaging in some of these these things that we try to hold, just because he does he holds an unpopular opinion, like I can't yeah. just I can't write a dude off just because he disagrees with me or I disagree well, with him on a position. That's not the position I'm making. I'm I'm pointing to the fact that he has this troubling opinion, and then looking at all of his films and being like, this stuff is here. Try to look yeah. at the bigger picture. Not to mention yeah. Quentin Tarantino, who was his who was his producerial homeboy for his entire career who no. gave him his start no oh you know who it, miramax ah. miramax dude but it's, it's the same for kevin smith and i would never put yeah. kevin smith in that category but look well, at you, I, but, I mean, but, so, but you can but look that's at what the, i'm saying the like, content you, you can't like we're that's that and that's why i'm abstaining because i i see sure. your points but sure. i can't just completely no, no yeah. the door on him because there are oh, plenty no, of yeah. other people that are in the exact same position and you know, Kevin. Kevin was was very firm in in closing that door, especially when that when the news started hitting. He was like distanced himself very well. But yeah. at this at the same time, like you you can't you also can't say that I got to where I am without his help. So mm-hmm. you you yeah. have to recognize that, admit that, well, own Kevin, that. You know, Kevin went out there and said I he wishes he could give the money back. No, right. You know, he literally went that far. He's like, if I could, if I could make the money that I got from Weinstein disappear, Mm -hmm. I would. I can't. I I guess my, my main thing is you can't, you, you, you can't, you, you as a person can't be expected, Paul, to 
whatever success you gain in life from here on out, I would not expect you to be held 100% accountable when we find out that, that Charles is actually the grand wizard. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. damn it. Oh, my God. You worked so hard for that. Jesus. Right. And, fuck and I, I agree with that. I don't think I, I don't necessarily agree with just blanket guilt by association. Mm-hmm. But I do think your actions and your art do speak to you. Mm-hmm. And that is what I was pointing yeah. at is that like when you start putting everything together, you look at you look at this film, you look at his other films in recent years, his whole career, literally, you look but, at things he said in the media. Mm-hmm. It, but then I also wonder if you're looking at it through a, a post hoc ergo propter hoc lens, you know, I mean, stuff wasn't, you, you know what res- to look for now. I've had reservations for a while about Tarantino, to be honest. Like for years, but I still loved his movies. You know, like I, I do love those movies. I really do. But I have had concerns for a long time, uh, especially when the Uma Thurman thing first broke. Like I had, I was, I would look at interviews with him and I'd be like, you know, there's something about him that just rubs me wrong. Like this guy yeah. is not likable. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not saying everybody's got to be likable. There's plenty of unlikable people out there. Bruce Willis has been in a ton of amazing crap. And he does not seem likable at all to me. He seems like a douchebag. And Kevin yeah. Smith will tell you yeah, the same. He'll tell you, wait, he'll wait. tell you all about it. Well, apparently they finished <laughs> yeah. things up recently again. Uh, but, you know, the point is, like, I, I had my reservations as far back as, like, the Inglorious Bastards era. And then, but I was like, eh, I don't really have anything to corroborate it. But then as time went on, then the Uma Thurman thing broke. And it's like, dude, he almost killed her. And then he, like, it, they, collectively they browbeated her to try to keep it quiet that's some fucked up shit that's his friend they're tight like they that that wasn't just a a working relationship they were beyond that Mm -hmm. he he's he has famously referred to her as his muse you know like i i just it's it's ugly when you start digging through the past his films though have never hidden that about him. So I guess, I don't yeah. know. I, I, I agree with you in some aspects and I don't know what to think. Like that's yeah. where I'm at. That's why I brought it up. If yeah. Philip was here, he'd be like, cancel him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if I recall correctly. So yeah. But All that's because right. he's never opened a single Tarantino. Film. Well, that's that's true. True. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, that, and that's a great discussion and that's the kind of thing we try to talk about here is stuff that didn't have a yes, no answer necessarily, but let's just talk and, and come up with ideas. Um, but to wrap this out, we've got two last little things to talk about. Uh, Humble Bundle has got uh, Chris all up on, on fire. It's not Chris. It's me. Yeah, but Chris <laughs> saw it. And he's on fire. I haven't seen So it. Humble Bundle fire! has a Jim Henson and Friends related comic bundle right now. They replaced the Garth Ennis, uh, boy, the boys one that was up for two weeks. Uh, I'll tell you this much. The cover art on some of them looks pretty cool. I don't know if any of them are any good, but there's there's all kinds of stuff. There's Dark Crystal stuff there. Uh, there there's Labyrinth stuff. There's all kinds of interesting stuff in that. I like to bring that stuff, especially when it's comic-related, to the forefront, let everybody know about it. And the absolute very last thing. <laughs> this came up on your, your Monday night stupid Borderlands show. Booze on and Monday Borderlands. <laughs> Booze and Borderlands. Monday evenings. <laughs> so Borderlands 2... You know, in anticipation of Borderlands 3, they released this big DLC and they made it free for Handsome Jack collection owners for two weeks, right? I'm understanding this correctly. 
Yes, uh, about two weeks-ish, yeah. And then the moment it wasn't free anymore, it went up to $15. And my response to that was, that's dumb. <laughs> and, and basically my attitude on it is like, I just... The, the You're reason so I, salty about it, too, man. The reason I'm salty about it is quite simple. If you're going to give it away for free to, to people who own your, your basically your ultimate collection for this game. This is a 10-year-old game, too, by the way. Ultimate collection owners, you give it away for free for two weeks, which means anybody who really, really cares got it. And then you jump it. up to $15? Why? Why isn't this like $5? Like most of their other DLC at this point, you know that I mean? did like the, surprise me. Yeah, that's the thing that it's not that they. I, I I appreciate that they gave it away for a little while. I really do think they should have just given it to everybody who had the collection and made it very affordable for everybody else. But fifteen dollars is just like. Uh, now, have you you guys played through it and you finished it, right? Oh yeah. Uh, well, we finished the main story, apparently, um, but there's still some some things to do. So, yeah. But, yeah, we finished that main story uh, Monday night. And right, if you don't want to buy it, you can watch this. And we played the whole thing on stream from launch of the DLC to the end. So you can watch the different. Yeah, if you don't want to play it yourself, just, you know, torture yourself by watching them play it. <laughs> uh, no, Hashtag I, not my soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, my thing is just, like, I don't understand the jump. Um, I really think it, they should have. If they, if they're gonna take care of their hardcore fans who bought the you know the everything under the sun bundle, and the thing was, like PS4 gave it away for free, the Handsome Jack bundle when this thing launched, mm -hmm. so you could actually get that the Handsome Jack and that for free, the entire collection on PS4 for free. Because fifteen dollars is a quarter of a tri of a AAA release, and it just kind of feels like a giant fuck you if you if you miss that two week grab it for free window. I would give them $5. You know what I mean? I'd be like, oh, you want $5? Absolutely. Here, take it. And, you know, I oops, I missed the free window. It's not a big deal. I love the game or whatever. But 15 and I, you know what? And I even said last night or, yeah, no, two nights ago in your stream. Right. I said, I, I understand that my, my, my level on this is arbitrary as fuck. <laughs> like $15 is a bridge too far to me. $5 would be acceptable. I don't know why I feel that way. I guess it's just because I have a pretty firm idea in my head of what like DLC should cost and all this other stuff. And like, I just I can buy a lot of full or uh, full games for less than fifteen dollars that are a lot newer and have to offer entirely new experiences for me. I don't know. <laughs> all right, Chris, go ahead. <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to imagine a scenario. Where it's 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 additional content, but it's not DLC. It's only released on a physical disc. It's free for the first two weeks, and then after that, when all of the uh, I, I, what are, what are you and yours going by? Not scalpers, uh, pirates, uh, <laughs> resellers on the secondary market. You wouldn't sell it for fifteen dollars on the secondary market. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a bridge too far. Five bucks would be your price. I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I just, You're really reaching there to try. No, to I'm, no I'm not. It's, it's why? DLC through an eShop. So it's don't buy it. So don't buy it. Crack Rocks are oh, free not, on your first hit. <laughs> no, I, that's what I said. I'm not going to buy it. Cause no, he much. absolutely was like, fuck this. You, you can't circle I'm, back to scalping every time I discuss the price on anything. That's oh, no. I'm, 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 he will. 
he will. Yeah, I know. He'll be like, he'll get. Heaven forbid somebody make more money than me on something. We, we I, make, I don't get it. When we make what? our first How million. Make money off of DLC for a video. Explain I, I, I just did in the scenario. <laughs> I did in the scenario. Yes, it absolutely <laughs> no, made sense. Yes, something like my offer for a long time. And somebody got it, and they didn't want it. Now I go to sell it. Chris, Chris is going to be rolling in his wheelchair as an old fucker, <laughs> and he's going to be muttering to himself, are you going to make money? Reselling I mean, my piece. If, yeah, if it was an know. argument in good faith, I would entertain it, but it's fucking nonsense. <laughs> it is. It is nonsense. Uh, but it, it is amusing. Uh, so that's going to be it for tonight. Uh, go to GiantSizeTeamUp.com to see all the wonderful shows that are over there. Check out all the new stuff we got going on. we got all the Twitch channels listed as well, so you can get on the site. And uh, I think it's it, – I, the link is a little weird. It doesn't say Twitch. I think it says streaming. Uh, but basically, it's at the top. You go to GiantSizeTeamUp.com right at the top. You click it, and all of our channels are there. And if we're streaming at the same time, you can actually watch it. Both of them go at the same time and, and watch them together. It's interesting. Uh, check us out, patreon.com forward slash breaking the panel, where you can see Chris wearing this beautiful, beautiful shirt that he's got for Dragon Con. Is that a purple? Is that a purple one or a blue? It's hard to tell with the colors. It's purple. It's purple? purple. Yeah. It's a uh, proud supporter of the GSTU uh, network shirt stamp from, uh, and that's uh, the comic uh, board of, a th- what is it? The comic authority stamp? Yeah. Comic authority. Yeah. Comics Code Authority. That. That's it. Comics Code. Thank you. Uh, it's modeled after that, but it's a very special Dragon Con edition with the uh, now since defunct uh, Marriott carpet that's pretty famous for Dragon Con. And you can check that out at uh, tiny.cc forward slash capital G S T U. G S U is all caps because it's a tiny CC link. And guess what, guys? There's a sale right now 35% off because it's a day that ends in Y. So you can go check that out. Uh, <laughs> And I thought about the email earlier. Klaus, where can they find you, man? You can find me on Twitch and Twitter at SoapboxGSTU. Chris? Yeah, over at Twitter on In All Things Wisdom and on the Facebook at either Breaking the Panel or you can try and hit me up. Uh, Phil? That's right, you didn't bother. Bill? <laughs> That's right. You can't fucking replace me, Bill. You can find me at Rock Got a Podcasting all across social media and uh, breaking the panel on Giant Size Team Up. And check out our page. We're putting out some cool stuff over at Facebook, facebook.com forward slash breaking the panel. And then next week, we'll hear Chris say Tip of the day is get it when it's available because somebody's going to charge you more for it later. You're such a dick. <laughs> it's not the same. Jesus Christ. <laughs>